Hey folks, this is Resonate Yes. And this is Road Not Taken. And we're sitting on our back porch. That's why the audio is terrible. The point is, it's been a beautiful summer, but that also means we've been super busy. Sorry, lots of bike rides. Lots of bike rides, being outside, getting the kid back to school, etc. The point is, thank you for being so patient with us. Yes, thanks so much. Anyway, this is our first of two on a topic that we get asked about a lot, which is peeing your pants. Or specifically, the fetish around desperation called omorashi. Ooh, I like that. I know. It makes it sound a lot sexy. Very sexy. So <laughs> stay tuned, and our apologies for the delay, but we hope you really enjoy this series on omorashi. Love you. Bye. Welcome to Love in Brief, an ABDL advice podcast focused on issues of love. Love for yourself, mm-hmm. love for others, love for your community, love for every person in your world that influences you and helps you make the kind of decisions that make you a better person. I am resonant, yes. And love for puppers. I am road not taken. You got to sneak that one in every time. <laughs> and uh, today we're going to talk about something that I we hadn't planned on talking about. And then it came up on our FetLife group, which is the Love and Brief podcast group on FetLife. And it was like, how, how the we not? hell yeah. have we not talked about this? So far, it's ridiculous. I know. Here we are, 60-something episodes in, and we haven't addressed this. So this is the time we're going to talk about Omarashi. Ooh. Ooh. So uh, if you don't know what that is, stay tuned, because it'll become clear in the next few minutes. But this is something that I absolutely came across when I was discovering my own kink, and I spent a great deal of time with, and I didn't totally understand. And we're going to view it from a couple of viewpoints, starting with, I think, a really intriguing question. But first, perhaps we introduce our guests. What do you think? I think that's a good idea. You want to go first? Mm, sure. Um, so I'll introduce um, Sloth. Um, Sloth is otherwise known as Sloth on the Rocks um, on FetLife. And Sloth joins us uh, to talk about desperation and wedding yeah Hello, by the guys. way every time i hear your screen name i think of the neil diamond song because i'm a thousand years old love on the rocks oh, and I in my brain i go sloth on the that. rocks ain't no big surprise <laughs> oh maybe That's i'm not great. thinking of the same song i'm thinking of is that is that where the name came from uh no no not at all okay. um all right, fair uh, right. no i was just actually thinking of, of uh, a good drink at the time and uh, it just kind of, you know, on the rock, it, it worked. Well, it sounds delicious. I like it. Sounds yeah, like it I'm really in. slow you down. Yeah, it might be a, it might be a little hairy in life, but uh, in reality, but yeah, <laughs> I'd try it. So, Slav, tell us about yourself. Tell us about your love. Uh, so, I have, oh, I have many loves, but uh, I think probably the three biggest ones I run into are my job. Uh, I'm a photographer, so I have lots of creativity and free reign with my job, and Day to day, that is that is wonderful. Um, I have a service puffers, and uh, he is lying on my feet right now, and he is almost a hundred pounds of of uh, big old dog, and he is fantastic. He he keeps me going, and um, I guess my new family. Oh my unit. goodness! My wife and I are expecting our our first. Uh, Kiddo here. Uh, so. Oh, congratulations. congratulations. How so wonderful. How long do you cool. have until that particular turkey is done cooking? Yeah, you know, we we got a five-ish or so still left month. So 
Okay. Um, All right. Yeah, All right. we still got some time. It hasn't hit the rush that, oh my goodness, what the hell did we get ourselves into yet? <laughs> so so pro I, tip, when, when, when my yeah. daughter was born, I did not yet have a car seat. And you look like a real idiot when you walk through the hospital with a car seat. Like, I've had nine months to plan, and I did not get on top of this. So And, and you come in with it yeah, in a box, that. and you're asking for uh, scissors at the front counter. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Can you lend me a scalpel? I'd like to open this car seat so I can drive Love my kid it. home. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's Tip so wonderful. Taken. Well, congratulations. Thank you. And and there's a service puppers laying right at your feet. There is, oh, yeah. Uh, his name is What's your ben? service puppers name? Finn. Finn. Oh, yeah. my he is, he's just a wonderful, gentle, uh, sometimes rambunctious boy. He's hes uh, a type of lab, so he's got a lot of energy sometimes. But that's good, because oh. I need someone that can keep up with me sometimes. So. That's right. I that's love him sweet. already. Me too. Well, what about our other guest? Mm-hmm. What if we talk to our friend CW? You may know CW as Colorado Wet on FetLife. And uh, CW, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about your love. Hey there, CW here, Colorado Wet on FetLife.com uh, and Colorado Wet on org. You know, I just want to say, like, my love right now is, you know, kind of been thinking about it's just kind of like creativity. You know, as an artist of many mediums, you know, I just love the act of being able to create something out of nothing. And, you know, to be able to reflect that into the world, too, and, you know, see the nature around me and how it grows things challenge um i think that's really my love right now and it's been my love my whole life so you're you're both artists that's so cool who love yeah. nature who maybe there's there's an overlap with omarashi yeah. i have no idea that's that's, that's bizarre isn't it yeah. I, yeah when you were saying that about the photography i was like oh that's awesome how do we make this not veer off and do a super porny podcast? Because I want to hear everything about them and we're not going to do it, but yes. I totally want to hear everything. Okay. Well, that'll be like the after dark version of the podcast. Yes, so my grinning, blushing too. partner here shares your love of Omarashi and he's like, and, and, so now what? and then what happened? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we won't do that on the podcast, but we'll do that afterward. Boy. <laughs> love it. So, so we've used this, we've used this term Omarashi and we haven't yet defined it. And I know everybody may have a little bit of a different definition, but I would love for either of our guests to tell me what is your definition, uh, your working definition for Omarashi? So the, 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 de- the definition from Omarashi, from what I understand, is, you know, it translates from Japanese to the wet oneself. And that's the best translation I've been able to figure out. Um, growing up in the 90s, you know, knowing that I had this kink, the only term in English was kind of like female desperation, and then it kind of umbrellaed under water sports. But as, you know, people in the kink community understand, the water sports umbrella term can mean a lot of different things. So for me personally, it was always, you know, for myself, I always enjoyed, you know, the loss of control, wedding myself. Um, and also witnessing, you know, people what themselves as well, whether it was accidental, purposeful, sensual, sexual, um, you know, it, it kind of all lands in the, in the bucket for me. I, I relate. Uh, I think that's a very, very well summed up. And I keep a bit of a, just a looser definition. Pretty well just say anywhere where you have, uh, some sort of wedding or peace sports or anything like that. Anytime it, it sort of intersects with 
uh, eroticism or sexuality, that for me is basically Omo. And uh, that's about as detailed as I sort of get in terms of classifying it. That's a really helpful working definition. So anywhere where wedding or peace sports intersects with sexuality for you. And I, and I will call out, like, um, some would draw a distinction between omorashi, which is uh, potentially about desperation wedding, versus peace sports, where it's like, I'm going to stand over you and pee on your face or something. Yeah. Which yeah, may you're, be different I agree than with you. You're absolutely right about that. And uh, I, I think that... Right. I think that at, at the end of the day, um, the definition is, is less important. If it's something that a person has some sort of interest in, they're going to know no matter what it's called or how it's defined. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, just like the ABDL kink, you could call it anything in, under, under the moon. Uh, but you know if you've got part of it in you. Boy, isn't that, the, isn't that the truth for ABDL for sure? It's like there are a million definitions for what an ABDL is. And frankly, there's as many definitions as there are people who are into it. But you know, you know what drives you. And that's the only definition that matters to that person. So with that in mind, I wonder, RNT, if you would be willing to share our question and then we'll dig into it with our guests. I would love to. Um, so this question titled, Okay to Fetishize Accidents, Ooh. come from comes from Ice Wolf 1989 on FetLife. Um, so this question is about uh, whether it's okay to fetishize accidents, but I think it's about a lot more too. So here I go. It says, I personally have been interested in desperation pants wedding, specifically of a woman in those situations. That interest led me to discover DDLG and ABDL. Now my personal problems that I have been struggling with regarding this is that some in the lifestyle actually have legitimate ailments. While, yes, they are arousing to me, I don't feel right fetishizing something that they don't get the option to choose. Mm. Please don't take this wrong, as I dabble in it now and then with my... I dabble in it now and then myself. I don't necessarily feel as though I would fit into the ABDL community as I go through times when I'm okay with it and times when I reject that um, interest. Mm. I was okay... I was curious to get yours and your spouse and others' opinions might be a good topic for the podcast. Yeah, I totally agree it's a good topic for the podcast. And what I like about this question is it's not just, hey, could you talk about Omarashi? It's, hey, could you talk about Omarashi? And potentially some of the ethical pitfalls of fetishizing something that for some people may be involuntary and potentially mm -hmm. even difficult. Right. And, and it also goes into, um, can we talk about how it, can be part of uh, DDLG and ABDL, but also I am into desperation and pants wedding, and sometimes I reject that side of things. Yeah. So I thought that our two guests would be wonderful to discuss this with us. I totally agree. What if we start with a little bit of a biography when it comes to the topic of Omarashi? And I wonder, um, perhaps just to go in reverse order, perhaps we could start with CW here. So let's start with the, um, the uh, sort of your background and your story, CW, and also how you would describe your relation to the ABDL kink versus your relation to Omarashi mm -hmm. and if they intersect at all or if they don't and how you deal with that. All right. So that, that's a great question. Something that growing up with this kink, um, even from a really early age, has always been kind of a perplexing issue for, you know, the duality of, you know, being empathetic, empathetic to, you know, the, People's experiences and how they relate to um, you know, their possible medical condition, or you know, even incidents at 
you know, friend's house or embarrassing incidents um, that really affected their psychology. So growing up with it, um, there, there's a lot of duality in growing up with the experience of being attracted to someone wedding themselves. As an empathetic human being myself, I've always felt really bad for the handful of incidents that I've ever seen. And for myself, I've always, you know, done my best to help my friends who may have had an incident or have been really desperate and helped them to get to a bathroom in time. Um, the empathy for me is really important. Um, but there's also an attraction to it that I've always had and I've always had a grapple with and understanding the ethical dilemma of of what that is you know it, it has been difficult for sure there's not much of a community um on strictly the omarashi side um and so for myself growing up with it you know i i you know i had my accidents in in school and witnessed them um but then also knowing that that was a huge attraction to me and also just being a natural introvert, it, it, it became a really difficult thing for me to ever come out for myself. You know, I always made it a really big deal. I always really try to repress that, that attraction to it. I, you know, I, I would bury it, and but then it would always come back full steam and, you know, I'd have to take care of it, you know, and it was it was unhealthy, you know, and for me, I was fortunate to have love partners who, once I was finally able to come out with it, you know, tell me it's not a big deal, you know, it's it, like, you made a big deal about it, I was really worried about something worse than that, that's easy, you know, so it was something that allowed me to kind of accept myself and accept my kink. You know that. what's wild about this it, is some of the key phrases that you're using. If you replace Omarashi with ABDL, I would have said the exact same thing. Exactly. Like, right? Like, when you talk about, like, I was born, I've never known any other way, but I'm conflicted. I was worried about telling my friends. And they said, oh, is that what it is? I thought it was going to be something way worse. Yeah. I mean, it's wild. Like, when we did an episode earlier about telling our friends, that's exactly the phrase that came up. Yeah. That's so it sounds really similar. And I, I'm curious, in, in your experience, when you have sort of um, introduced this topic to people, uh, maybe potential partners, what is it like for you and what is it like for them as they've articulated it to you when you introduce Omarashi into the relationship? Um, I guess for myself, like, you know, the, the handful of times I ever, you know, came, came out and said it, um, yeah, there, there was always a really big build-up process. I'm like, I gotta tell you something. I gotta tell you something. Um, but I'm out of town, so I'm, a, I'll, I'll be over there, and I'll, I'll let you know when I get home. You know, it's kind of, you know, put a line. I don't want to tell you over the phone. We got to do it in person. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. So I build it up, kind of get my confidence, and kind of like make myself have to tell them. And whenever I tell them, you know, I'd also make it like. On, I'm like, maybe you would like it, you know, and maybe it's something you would try. And, you know, every time I told them, they were like, oh, thank God, I thought you were going to be like some, 
you know, there's some extreme fetishes out there. I'll just say that. Yeah, I was like, I yeah. thought you were killing people. Yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. I totally get it. No judgment, yeah. but... Or maybe maybe with the killing people, uh, there's a little bit of judgment. With yeah, that. That, no, there's <laughs> some judgment there. Yeah, that that so for me, that was kind of my experience with coming out, and I think after there was like this other end of it too, because you know the people I've come out with who've been sexual partners, um, you know, it wasn't their thing, you know, and they'd indulge me from time to time, but it also allowed me to become more comfortable with my fetish self and my kink itself and also my own self-enjoyment of the fetish mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and I think in some way that can be a little bit alienating and also a little distancing so I think that's kind of one of the challenges that I've faced while coming out to people who've been accepting but it wasn't their thing it can put some distance between you uh, maybe not distance between us too, but it would, it would make like a, I'd be more comfortable with expressing myself, whether that was uh, wet pants and extra laundry. <laughs> you know, it's one, one of the other things that feels familiar to me is that you're describing trying it on yourself, not just trying it on other people, that, that it was like sort of this early switch behavior where it's like, I'm thinking about other people, but I also want to try it on me and see if it feels good. And I'm curious... In, in your early exploration, exploration or even today, um, do you have a sense of what it is about Omarashi that really does it for you? I think the sense for me, um, I mean, there's definitely something about the loss of control. I know that you don't have much of a crossover into ABDL, but wetting yourself and letting it dry, I've wondered, I wondered if you ever tried or wondered what it would be like to like wet in a diaper and mm -hmm. have it like sort of stay with you or if you were just like no that is absolutely not my deal any answers okay i was just curious <laughs> no totally um yeah i i have tried divers a handful of times i i'm really sensitive to plastic a little bit of an environmentalist too and there's something about you know the plastic involved in it is just a just for myself, like, n no judgment whatsoever. It, it, it's just something that I can't take on. Um, you know, I've mm -hmm. had pretty good I totally get that, yeah. And, you know, one day I'd like to, you know, have a good boss diaper that might work, but then I'm worried about, like, the drying time and keeping it mm -hmm. down all right. And, you know, I'm all right with damp clothes around, so. Um, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's. It's wild because because my ABDL kink was sort of factory installed, to me, it just seems so intuitive to be like, oh, you pee your pants and now you pee in a diaper. And I think it's so great to hear from somebody who's like, yeah, I don't get the diaper part. But I like peeing in my pants. But I like peeing in my pants. Yeah, like, I, get that. I, I think yeah. that's so cool because because my intuition is is sort of centralized around this other facet of the kink. Yeah. And I love to hear from people who are like, no, I totally don't get that part. Same. Yeah. I think that's really eye-opening. It's cool. Well, I love the factory installed aspect that you mentioned. That's a great description of it. You don't know where it came from. It's always been there. It just showed up. You're like, I got to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Somebody smarter than me, Mako, on the Big Little Podcast said, at some point you stop asking why and start asking how. So yeah, I know this is yeah. true. How am I going to be? So um, what if we pivot a little bit? And we go to Sloth. Sloth, could you tell me a little bit about your history with Omarashi? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it has been the gateway drug for me uh, to do the whole sort of pet community and and pet life. Um, it uh, is something that was there before I was in a sort of sexualized uh, sense. Uh, you know, I remember on numerous occasions uh, seeing uh, girls uh, wet themselves and. Um, you know, in a in a younger school type of application, you'll see someone else wet themselves, and it, it it'll just sort of spark this excitement in you. And at that point uh, in my life, there still was not a connection sexually. Uh, so um, it's something that I think I started off thinking that weren't we all like this? And uh, and then I can relate when CW said that it's not something that's easily to you know you. It's not something that that comes up around the campfire easily. Um, I think that's I think that's very true. And you know, once you start this to to get into uh, you know your latter teen years, you, it suddenly becomes much more of uh, sort of almost like a pseudo ABDL kind of thing. You know, in in the sense that it's not something that a, a light is necessarily being shone on. And some people might look at you a little differently. You know, if they find out about it. I'm so intrigued by the fact that both of you mentioned feeling sort of marginalized, small community. Because in, in my world, like in my weird little economy, like ABDL was the, the group of weirdos among the group of weirdos. So when we would go to BDSM munches or whatever, the ABDLs were like the let's not talk about them in the corner. And so when you talk about Omarashi as being marginalized within the marginalized, that really connects with me. Yeah. And, and, as a DL, I definitely, um, I feel that the ABDL community is on uh, another level yet. Um, uh, OMO is something that uh, I could speak with uh, with a handful of friends uh, without raising uh, too many too many sweaty eyebrows, you know, or maybe not breaking into a sweat myself. Uh, but the, the uh, DL aspect or the ABDL is something that is is sort of even a little bit more intense and um i i suspect that uh our abdl community uh could very much empathize with the feelings that people who are into omo or omorashi uh experience because they very much are very similar and that they can be somewhat alienating i expect the same thing same and uh, Sloth, I actually wonder if you wouldn't mind uh, digging a little bit uh, deeper into the part of the question uh, where the asker uh, brings up whether or not it's okay to fetishize um, someone who actually has uh, issues with incontinence and whether you would mind sharing a little bit about your history and um, sharing your feelings on whether or not it is okay and how you you know deal with that. Yeah, Absolutely. And and I think just if to cut to the chase, the very short answer uh, to that question, uh, in my opinion, would be uh, yes, but um, it, yes, it is okay to fetishize fetishize it, but uh, it really depends on the actual situation. And I think what we have to be careful of is that uh, those of us in a certain kink, in this case, Omorashi, that we don't do anything to facilitate it at the expense of other people. And that, uh, you know, we, we don't, I, you know, it's, it's, um, it's something that uh, we have to keep in mind. Uh, there is very much 
um, I think we need to recognize that there's a, a very obvious uh, live difference between uh, viewing or taking part in a stage uh, role play or stage content that is made to look and feel real world versus someone who you actually care about, even on just a humanity or humanitarian level, uh, someone who is in that emotionally vulnerable uh, situation of actually having an accident uh, when they did not intend to. And I think when you are boots on the ground, the person there, and that's happening in front of you, uh, at least in my experience, uh, it's been very night and day different. Um, you know, and there hasn't, there has not been any sort of attraction, uh, you know, at that moment, you know, you just feel empathy, you feel really bad for that person, you want to help them out somehow. Uh, you know, and, and even looking back on those couple of situations that I've, that I've been in, um, you know, viewing it later, it still doesn't uh, sort of override the empathy of the moment. Those situations are never situations that uh, I sort of recall in a fetishized sense. Um, mm. You know, it's just it like it's like been the, as I say, just the, the vulnerability and uh, the emotional empathy of that situation sort of sears itself in and overrides uh, whatever kink, you know, might be associated with it. It sounds like you and CW both have had very similar feelings about this. And it reminds me of whenever we talk to um, nurses who are ABDL who say, yeah, I love diapering my partner. I love being with my partner in diapers. And during the day, I do the same thing. It is not the same right. feeling. I right. don't feel any. I feel like I have a duty to another human being and I don't feel any sexual feelings about it. And that's I think that's parallel. really, yeah, that's really interesting. That, that is a very like good that. parallel. Yeah, I agree yeah. completely. And, you know, and as somebody who uh, is incontinent um, and not not by choice at all, um, you know, in my case, it was an industrial accident and uh, I had a uh, piece of wood, a fairly large piece of wood, uh, get shot out of a machine at, uh, at well over 100 miles an hour. And it hit me in the abdomen because that was the level that the machine was at. And, uh, you know, so, so at that instant, um, you know, in hindsight, uh, I would not have chose it. You know, sometimes I think it's fun to think about, uh, you know, sort of being forced into that position. Um, but, uh, there is a, there is a, a very big difference between, um, the times when it's a part of your life and it's almost like a part of work versus when you get to have fun with it. Okay. This is our why I realize I'm interrupting this conversation right in the middle, but uh, this is love and brief and not love and really long. So we're going to pause this conversation until next week. It's going to get deeper. Uh, huge thanks to both of our guests. And we're going to dig more into this topic of Omarashi next week, including what are the ethics of Omarashi and what is the fun part of Omorashi. And I hope that you, as a person with an ABDL kink or a ally of a person with an ABDL kink, are asking yourselves, what are my ethical limits? And what are my kinks? And can I reconcile those? Because that's the point of Love and Brief. So, stay tuned. We love you guys. We can't wait to do more for you. This has been another edition of Love and Brief. Love and Brief.